Marketing has changed, and the role of the chief marketing officer is completely in flux and is evolving, and the expectations that organizations have of marketing is also changing. Today, on episode number 284 of CXO Talk, we are speaking with somebody who is on the face of the planet, one of the most qualified people to talk about this set of issues. I'm Michael Krigsman. I'm an industry analyst and the host of CXO Talk. I want to say a sincere thank you to Livestream for supporting CXO Talk. Lo, these many years, they supply our video streaming infrastructure. And if you go to livestream.com slash CXO Talk, they will give you a discount on their plans. Now, very importantly, I want you right now, please tell a friend to join us and subscribe on YouTube. This is important, subscribe on YouTube. Right now, during this live show, there is a tweet chat going on. So please go to Twitter using the hashtag CXOTalk and you can enjoy the conversation, you can participate, and you can even ask questions of our guest, and we will answer. I am so thrilled to welcome Diana O'Brien, who is the Chief Marketing Officer of Deloitte, which is one of the largest organizations in the world. And so when I said that she's well-qualified to talk about the CMO topic and role, I meant it. Diana O'Brien, thank you so much for being here in CXO Talk. Michael, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. So, Diana, please tell us about Deloitte and tell us about your role as global CMO. Well, as you said, Deloitte is the largest professional services firm in the world. We have 260,000 uh, professional associates around the world who every day worry about making an impact at their clients. That's their singular focus to uh, impact them positively in the areas of tax, audit, consulting, uh, and advisory services. For me, uh, I've had a long career here, 30 plus years, but lots of different roles, but all of them around our clients. Uh, five years ago, I took on all clients and essentially the entire marketing funnel for the U.S., and uh, just a few months ago, I took on the global uh, chief marketing officer role for Deloitte. You know, I can't even imagine how, how do you think about marketing for an organization with 260,000 people and so many different types of clients and different activities. So, so how, do you, how do you wrap your, your mind around that size and scale? It's a, it's a fun question because I think that is what people normally think of is just, gosh, it's so big. It has lots of service lines. It has lots of offerings, lit lot, many places. But actually, I think it still comes down to the same thing it comes down to for really any business, which is who is your customer? What is their problem? And how can you solve it? And we try to keep things simple. When you're a big organization, uh, you can create silos and create friction points. And a big part of what uh, an organization like Deloitte uh, or other large Fortune 500 companies need to do is to think about how to take that friction out, how to reduce uh, the, 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 the this multiple steps that we often add. Uh, it's so easy to add things and so hard to take things out. Uh, and I think we have to ask that question more often is uh, what should we be taking out to make sure that our customers have 
the best experience. So for you, then marketing comes down to, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but comes down to creating that kind of experience for your customers, but it's not just a veneer. It also goes back into the organization and your, your processes and your own efficiency and how you're organized as, uh, as an entity, as, as an organization. Well, you know what I think is interesting about that is I think it, your insides have to be, uh, in today's environment, everything, the transparency is so key, your insides have to um, uh, be what you want your brand to be, which means all 260,000 associates have to represent the brand every day. And, and so if they're not treated or in an environment that's uh, easy to use and, and allows them to show their entrepreneurial spirit and do what's necessary to solve our clients' problems, then they're not going to feel like they want to go out and deliver that to our clients. And so, you know, the brand and the culture that we have really go hand in hand. And then how we show up in the marketplace and ultimately the perception of that brand go hand in hand. So your view of marketing is is a very expansive one, actually, far more than, than how we traditionally think about, well, marketing is how we talk to the outside world. Yeah, I think marketing has a history for sure, and that was absolutely a part of it. Marketing, uh, I like to call it, started sort of with the small M, which was the message, and the CMO and marketers owned the message and the brand and what went out to uh, to their clients and their customers. Uh, what has happened, I think, as a result of a number of big factors and trends uh, in the marketplace is that we're, we now, what I consider to be the big M, which is that you own everything that happens to that client or customer, no matter what, uh, no matter where it sits in the organization, what silo it might be a part of, uh, as the chief marketing officer in the marketing organization, you are the voice of the customer. And so you have to be the one championing it, no matter where the issue may reside, uh, no matter where the touch point is and who's interfacing with them. So uh, we do, we think of it as, uh, as, a, as a really fundamental, different a role than it used to be when you were simply pushing out a message. The other thing that's different is that now in this sort of 24-7 world where you have to be on all the time, you know, marketers don't control the brand as they did when it was just a message to push out. Marketers now need to uh, shape and respond to the brand and make sure that the experience that they're continuing to create reflects the brand and what they value and what they want uh, their customers to feel as a result of experiencing something with them. So uh, I do think it's really dramatically different. I, I think more has changed in the last couple of years than, uh, than maybe in the last 20. I just want to say a thank you to Zachary Jeans, who is watching, who just tweeted out uh, a great screen capture photo of, of you uh, right now. So Zachary, thank you so much for, for sharing that. So how then does marketing integrate into the rest of the company? The reason that I'm asking is because it's as you're describing marketing this way, it, it is such a broader role than we we tend to think of. And it's there, there's all these implications for, for process, for culture, for relationships among different silos. And so how does the organization as a whole uh, relate to this? And how do you relate to it as opposed to the traditional marketing approach? It's a great question. I think when you think about it, sometimes you might think, well, uh, what's really the role then of the, like, how does the marketer do that? How does the CMO function to make that happen? And I think the first sort of mindset change is to see yourself as a convener 
of specific insights that can really change the business. The customer has to be at the center of your organization's strategy. And if it's not, then you know, you've got other issues. So your role is to help make sure that the customer stays at the center of the strategy. But the other leaders, they all have something that they're trying to accomplish. So the CFO's got some financial expectations and return on investments, and the CIO has certain things around technology, and you know, your, your operators might have certain you know, process flows or supply chain things that they want to accomplish. And the key for a great CMO is to, for someone to spend the time to understand what are all those individuals, all those members of the C-suite, what did they, what are they trying to accomplish? And then what can the CMO do? How can the CMO engage with them by understanding what they're measuring, by figuring out the insight that they have and how it can influence what they're measuring and start to talk in a way, use language that will resonate with them. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times uh, clients are, are Individuals have gotten a job. They're the CMO. They're told they own client experience. They own client customer insights. But they say, "I don't. I, I don't have responsibility for all the touch points." And that's often the case. So what the it, the CMO has to build influence skills with those executive members to establish trust and credibility and be able to influence them uh, in in ways that really keep the customer at the center of the conversation. So. Uh, it's been challenging for a number of CMOs, I think, as they've stepped into it, but more and more of them are getting their sea legs about them as they start to make some of the changes that are needed. We had some interesting research that we did uh, that I thought was quite telling about where we are. Uh, we had a survey and some insights from about 400 CFOs, and only about 3% of them thought that the CMO was strategic. However, the CEO said if their organization were to uh, stop growing, the first person to get fired would be their CMO. So it's a pretty big disconnect between the, C the CEO's expectations of the CMO having a bigger seat at the table, influencing and driving the customer conversation. I have to say the the research that you do at Deloitte is just outstanding. Uh, Deloitte University Press, I'll tell everybody, uh, puts out some of the, the very best research of this type anywhere. So, so the CMO then is responsible for ensuring, or let's just say the, having the compass point as of the customer as the, the North Star for the organization, but at the same time, from what you're saying, is, is responsible for influencing inside the company so that the whole organization is focused and, and unified in that direction towards positive, towards the right customer experience. Right, what I'd say is the CMO has to have an enterprise view but the lens that they're coming in with, with that enterprise view, is going to be the customer. So that uh, decisions aren't made along the customer's journey that uh, create a bad experience, uh, heighten the friction that's there, or completely turn them off to where, what's happening and what you're trying to communicate with them. So that's why it's so important that they have the enterprise view and then learn the language of those other enterprise leaders. And at the same time, it seems your your focus is equally, maybe even more so, outside the company because in order to speak to customers, you have to understand what customers actually care about. 
Right. And, and a lot of times that customer, it's through customer research and analytics and data that you can uh, extract and pull into your organization. It's also, though, it's still qualitative as well. I mean, you need to hear the customer experience, what the customer is experiencing. So whether you're in a professional services firm or you're in a retail store, or you're in a hospital, you know, each touch point uh, of those experiences affect that customer's experience. And so you need to understand what's happening. And if you don't go out into the market to see it, experience it, and hear what people are saying, uh, you're not as effective. When you talk about customer experience, what does that encompass? I think customer experience really encompasses every touch point that causes me to think or feel anything about your brand. We used to say that brand um, was everything. And now we say everything is brand, meaning that every time I have from the from the person who answers the phone when I call or I log on and I see something on on your website and I have a chance to interact with you or I have uh, an opportunity to um, do something. If all of a sudden after that I get a negative experience or something, uh, you know, someone speaks rudely to me or I get a bill or it, uh, anything that I wasn't expecting or didn't follow the flow of it being easy and and simple and engaging for me at the time I want it to be important to me uh, has the opportunity to affect the client experience. So I think people have to think of the client experience as everything end to end from the point that you first establish interest and awareness and you know, are sharing initial thoughts to the long-term sustained relationship where you are coming back and back because you want more and more um, services from from your from the uh, person offering it. Now you mentioned the term relationship, and earlier you mentioned almost in passing the term measurement, and so where does measurement and the quantitative dimension come into play and and where does the qualitative and how do you how do you juggle these things these two yeah they're both super important and in fact our research says that um, you really need to what we call having a, a sort of your whole brain in the game if in your if you're in marketing you need the left and the right side you need um, the, your creative and empathetic and uh, engaging side and you need your analytical and, and scientific side. Um, you know, you, you need to have both uh, uh, in your teams and, and even in your, in, your, in your own mindset when you're thinking about um, marketing. So measurement's key. And I think measurements become even more important because it ties back to what is the value proposition for the CMO, which is if I know the customer and the customer's at the center of my strategy and I can give you insights that help you make the best customer experience, I'm going to drive growth. And that's the bottom line. The, the CMO needs to drive growth in the organization. They need to be able to influence um, the, the uh, competitive positioning that you have. They need to influence the how quickly lead gens come in, accelerate that process through it. All those things come from deeper, smarter client insights. And so as those things happen, you can tie it back to measurable things. But in the end, you need both. You need to you need to hear and understand things that the data sometimes can't tell you, uh, and you need to invest in having enough data, meaningful data, so that you really understand where your customer is, when, and what they're looking for at that time. 
So you're saying the CMO needs to drive growth. Is that then kind of the crux of the whole issue that if the CMO has an understanding of the customer, if the CMO is able to influence the organization to provide that right customer or client experience, then growth should be the natural result that arises out of that. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would put is in the front side of that, my comment about the enterprise and the and the strategy having the customer at the center. Uh, I think that's key. Uh, I've seen strategies that build around a lot of tactics and people can say, well, where's the customer in that? And I think that's a really important, um, you know, you don't find startups missing that because they know exactly who they're going after. Sometimes when you become um, a large, you know, organization with maybe lots of different offerings, it becomes a little less clear who the customer is or the customer is can, can be aligned in different niches sometimes. And so that can dilute that, but it's really important for someone to be able to see that this customer is in the center. And so if it's an enterprise view with that and you do what you said, absolutely. I think growth is the outcome uh, of that. So how do you at Deloitte, again, given your scale, how do you uh, ensure that the internal organizational enterprise understanding of the customer is clear and precise and that you are meeting those customers' needs as just as you were just describing. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, just as I'm stepping into global, I am, um, you know, visiting and learning about different parts of our organization that uh, I didn't have as much exposure to since I was primarily focused in the U.S. before. But I do think that what what we do is, is, is we look to the global strategy now, just as I look to the U.S. strategy. And, you know, the good news is uh, our global strategy is very clear. Uh, what we're trying to accomplish, who our customer is, what our purpose is. And if we anchor on that, and then we align the marketing strategy and execution to deliver on that in every market. Now, there's training opportunities and there's skill set opportunities as people learn and become more competent in the ability to assess the market, understand how our strategy lives in that market, and then uh, making the choices about how to engage in whatever marketing strategy might make the most sense for the need that we're trying to address. So you said you said of something very important. Your you said that your purpose is clear and you understand you know who your customer is and that's very unusual I think for many organizations. Yeah, I credit our global CEO. He uh, repeats our purpose. Uh, I, I don't believe you could ask a person at Deloitte uh, who, a question and say, "Do you not know, do you know what your purpose is?" and not have someone repeat that our purpose is to make an impact that matters uh, for our clients, for our people, and the communities that we live in, and then be able to describe how they do it. What I really like about our purpose is that. And because we're a professional services firms where our individuals who show up, our talent that shows up really is our brand, is who we are, uh, if they can all say that, then they also have the freedom to, to understand what is that impact and can define some of that for themselves. So while there might be behaviors that we want them to carry out because that's our best and we know what that looks like and we try to put those into the, into the DNA of our people through training and development activities. Uh, we know that everyone knows their job is to make an impact that matters for their clients or their people or their community, depending on what they might be working on at the moment. So every single person can see themselves in that. Uh, no matter you're serving the largest client, uh, uh, you're serving an individual um, uh, tax uh, per, you know, person, you're you you are talking in the internal organization and serving someone. You can you can deliver on that promise. 
I want to remind everybody that we are speaking right now with Diana O'Brien, who is the Global Chief Marketing Officer of Deloitte, which is the largest professional services organization in the world with 260,000 associates. And right now, there is a tweet chat taking place using the hashtag CXOTalk, and you can ask questions of Diana. It's a, it's a, real, it's a really rare opportunity, so I hope, uh, so ask your questions. So Diana, now, when you talk about understanding the customer, you, you were describing earlier, and I keep coming back to this understanding of the customer because it's so so fundamentally important. You were talking about uh, quantitative means and qualitative means, and can you speak a little bit about each of those directly in terms of how, how do you use these various types of tools to better understand in a nuanced way who your client is? So we would do focus groups, um, we do, uh, you know, where we're talking to customers, we do individual client survey assessments where we are soliciting feedback uh, from clients and we're doing that face-to-face. And then we're doing, you know, broader surveys or capturing data as a result of the client interactions and then monitoring and watching that data as it moves through so that we can help people understand where individuals are during the stage of what they might be focused on. So it's capturing the analytics that we get, it's capturing analytics from outside that inform that, and then it's personal face-to-face discussions in client service assessments and focus groups. We also seek out strategic partners to engage with where our brand is extended by our relationship with them. And we look for feedback from them as well as to what it is that uh, their customers are looking for and how we can uh, support and serve that in the solving of whatever issue they might be addressing. Now, marketing in a in a pro- professional services organization like yours is different, of course, than marketing for a consumer brand. And so can you describe some of the unique aspects of marketing f- that, uh, that Deloitte undertakes, marketing a, a professional services organization as opposed to other types of companies? You know what's interesting about that question? I think there's some truth to it, but I actually think that it's starting to erode, I think that it's really B to P, meaning people. Um, you know, so it's not B to C and it's not B to B, it's really B to P uh, because you're still connecting with a person and how you make that person feel. Uh, and for us, having that person feel that, you know, they have all the information they need at the right time. So that might be coming to our website and seeing thought leadership that informs them about something that's in their strategy that they'd like to implement. Um, then being able to say, I'm, I'm talking to the right people. So they want to be able to feel that they've got the right experts around them uh, to address the things that they're, that they're you know, trying to solve for in their company. So it's, it's, it's important that all marketing change the way you feel. And I think when you get comfortable with what you're trying to make a person feel uh, about something, and sometimes it's a set of people who are deciding in a business, but it's still a one-to-one Uh, relationship in terms of people's individual choice and their description of who you are as a brand. And so trying to understand that and, uh, and focusing on the things that you can do around the issues you own. So if your if your platform is to address issues that are associated with digital transformation, then 
you need to have content early on that helps explain it to people. You need to have ways to engage with multiple leaders who are dealing with the topics of digital transformation and who and what are, what's happening. You need to be able to share best practices from other clients that are going on. I don't think those things fundamentally are that different than from a, a B2B to a B2C type company. I just think that the the you're still trying to make them feel something and uh, and you're trying to delight them through that process so that they're loyal, so that they continue to uh, stay uh, in, you know excited about who you are and what you're doing. So at the end of the day, it's about creating that emotional connection and engendering a sense of delight in that customer. Yeah. I think I think it is. I, I think you you want your clients to to feel uh, that they've made the right choice, that there's no risk here, that there's that they they have um, that they can have confidence, that they can move forward and be wildly successful, and and that's uh, that's a pretty that's that can be delighting if you do that. Well, there's no question about that. Uh, we have some questions from Twitter, and Arsalan Khan asks an interesting one, and he, he says, who should marketers work with inside the organization to provide the most impact? Um, it's a good question. I think sometimes it depends on the business, um, but I would say I probably heard more often than not that the CFO is uh, is a place to start. I know one CMO who, when she was stepping into her role, uh, she said the very first person I established a relationship with before I even started was the CFO. Um, I have other clients where, again, if you can't make the business case to the CFO as to what you're doing and why, then uh, you might struggle making it elsewhere to operational or business unit leaders. So I think it's a great place to start, but I do think across an organization, how a business is structured and the types of products, uh, it's just as important for a company that has really important insights to affect product development. You're getting insights that can change the product and make it better. You need to be instrumental then in, in product development and, and, and how that's uh, research that might be going on to evolve a product. So that, that would be a difference that I think, again, the structure of the product, et cetera, might uh, suggest different people and approaches, but I don't think it ever hurts to go to the CFO. So go to the CFO, but but uh, as you were describing, having uh, touch points back into the product and feeding information back into the product, because after all, marketing the CMO is, in a sense, we could say the proxy for the customer inside absolutely. the Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, it's also the proxy for your associates as well. So hence the, I have a strong relationship with our chief talent officer, and it's because our culture, what, what he protects and shepherds is something that, again, will show up on the outside in brand if it's not healthy, if, uh, if things aren't, aren't well. And so as you know, part of my job is to help him because often your, your associates also can be your customers and, in a, and certainly a B2C, that's often the case, uh, and, uh, and also influencers. So having them play all those roles, it's really important that, the, that your internal culture reinforce your brand. Uh, so the, the chief talent officer is equally um, strategic in that particular regard. Now we have another question from Twitter and Shelly Lucas, who is at Pisa Rose, 
who, uh, who I happen to know and is one of the best content marketers that I know, says, wants to, is, is asking, some people say brands are dead. And so what is your view? So I guess that the broader question is the question of building a brand and the relevance of a brand and, and associated set of issues. Yeah, I just don't think that's, I don't think it's true. I think brands are um, are alive and well. I think the difference is that you no longer compete with brands that are in your industry or brands that were in your neighborhood or down the street in your city. You're competing with the best brands in the world. And so it's much more challenging to be distinctive in uh, establishing a customer experience and um, you know, really differentiating your offering. But the companies that are doing it well uh, are companies, I think, that have really well-established brands. And I think your brand has a lot of value. And, uh, and, it, and, and even for, even for you know, companies that, uh, like a professional services firm, I, I think the, the brand value is in all of the intrinsic value that every associate and every client who ever we, we had the chance to serve, their representation of us. So I don't think it is. I think brand is super important. And I think that a lot of what you do is in service of the brand, but it's the service of the brand surviving. You know, marketing is about growing the business. And and so I, I think they're really linked. So building a brand, you mentioned differentiating that now brands are competing not with their local competitors or their industry competitors, but with other strong brands throughout the world, which begs the question, I think, on a just a tactical level, what CMOs want to know is, how do you compete? How do you differentiate yourself in a digital world? I think that you, one, um, you don't get distracted by the technology itself. You stay focused on the customer you have and the problem that you're solving for them. And, uh, and you continue to simplify. Everything needs to be easy. Um, and I think that, again, as, as organizations get large, complex, um, you know, the, if, if you can combine your physical and your digital experiences together, um, you know, you go and get coffee and you can charge, uh, you can charge it. You, those types of experiences, when they're linked, you know, make it easier, simplify the process, uh, keep everything in a way that is the is most meaningful to me, uh, I think that's how you have to how you have to compete, and I think that's just going to continue to change. And the opportunity to change it to create these immersive experiences is only going to get uh, more expansive as we stick our stick our toe in and, and further uh, investigate some of the new technologies, the emerging technologies in AI and uh, digital and mixed reality type. Um, spaces. Okay. And we have another question for Twitter. And I want to remind, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to remind everybody we're speaking with Diana O'Brien, who is the global chief marketing officer at Deloitte. It's, a, it's an enormous company and you have a great opportunity right now to ask her questions. I always let the, the Twitter questions, uh, play, uh, take a priority over my own, even though I have a bunch of questions that I want to ask you as well. I'm learning here as much as the audience is learning. Now we have another question from Twitter, Saurabh Rijwani, and he is asking, what role does social media play for companies in the business, to the B2B environment? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I When I took the role initially, I, I actually wasn't at all sure that it played a role. And, um, and I 
first learned that it did by just appreciating uh, by an associate coming up to me saying, uh, Diana, you're, um, you're not very good at this and your LinkedIn profile is not very effective and you need to do some things. And so I said, I really appreciate you telling me that. Now I'd like you to help me. So if you uh, wouldn't mind becoming my mentor on this topic, uh, and she did. And so she really started to expose me. And what I learned to appreciate first was that um, how I presented myself was a voice for how everyone else in the firm could present themselves. And uh, it helped to uh, give folks a lens through which to see that and to appreciate the value of telling our story in the marketplace and, and being authentic and real and out there and open about who you are. So that was the first thing I learned. But the second thing I learned was that, uh, again, people want to be affiliated and know that you know people that are um, talking about the issues they were talking about. And so it's helpful if you can comment and you can share an insight with others when you know, that, that are on topics or with people that are influential in the areas that you focus or that are important to you. So when we have conversations that are going on about smart cities or digital transformation or, you know, any of our topics, we love it when people engage because it makes all of us better. We all learn from the rich conversation that uh, transpires. You might not agree with everything everyone says, but I think everybody can walk away and get additional perspective. And so really it's, it's make, it's making the, the pie and the ecosystem bigger that you're a part of. And, and that's terrific. Your Twitter account and your LinkedIn accounts are, are very active. So you're, you're very engaged on social media. Well, we can thank Paige Montgomery. I'll tell you, she's one of my associates and she's terrific and she stepped up and had bravery to help me. So I, I thank her. Okay. Shout out to Paige Montgomery. So, so one of the, the, the issues I think that, that CMOs face, uh, maybe in smaller companies, and, I, and I'd love to get your advice, is, so, so you're describing earlier this expansive view of the CMO role where it's customer experience, but that touches back on everything from processes to the product definition. And I think for many CMOs, they may view it that way, but at the end of the day, they're being judged no matter what the C no matter what the CEO says, at the end of the day, they're being judged by demand gen, by leads, and by very tactical, concrete measures. What what advice do you have for a CMO who's in that situation and wants to do more and have a, a greater impact and knows they can do more? Yeah. Well, I actually don't think, I think they really go hand in hand because driving leads and bringing insights around those leads and making sure that uh, you can influence as uh, an opportunity moves through the funnel, it, it's your insight in the beginning can be enormously helpful uh, and, and driving the process and accelerating how fast that can happen. So it's actually an area where there is measurement. It's easy to push it. You can use it as a way to influence and convene the leaders uh, in your organization and then start to step into some of the other areas and bring that same value. And they'll, you'll start to establish a level of trust that uh, I think will, they'll, they'll start to invite you in more. So it's a matter of, of demonstrating a result and developing trust over time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And we have another question uh, from Twitter from Zachary Jeans, 
who asks, what challenges does GDPR compliance present to marketing at Deloitte? And for those people who don't know, GDPR is a European privacy, set of privacy, very stringent privacy compliance regulations. Yeah, it's a very important topic and CMOs need to absolutely understand the implications in their organization so that they don't violate the law uh, and, uh, and and protect the identity of um, the individuals that, um, that they need to protect in those regards or who ask to be protected in those regards. So it's, it's a critically important and you need to work hand in hand with risk, uh, your chief risk officer, your chief technology officers. Uh, they're really a group of you that would need to come together to make sure that you have the right processes in place to protect uh, the security and privacy of those uh, individuals. And uh, so it's, it's very important. What I would say is that it's um, it, it, just like, you know, there's so much opportunity with digital transformation to become a more strategic leader, to use your insights in thoughtful ways. But it's a little bit of a tale of two cities, because along with all that opportunity that I believe is there for all of us, uh, I think the pie did really just get bigger. There is this looming issue of security and risk and uh, privacy and safety that uh, people want to be assured about. And uh, that's just one regulation that's, uh, you know, attempting to protect for things like that. And you, and you have to ha- take as that as seriously as anything. Let's talk about team building and talent. And you have said that talent is more than just hiring people. What did you mean by that? Well, first, let me say talent is is close to my heart. Uh, Right next to clients are are people. And one of the reasons that's the case is I had an opportunity to uh, shape uh, Deloitte University, which is our leadership center, where all of our professionals at some point do go uh, and several multiple times to really become the best leader they can be. And what I you know, know in that process is that super important to hire people, hire the right people, hire skills that you need. Skills are changing, jobs are changing. You have to you have to think about all the things that uh, are in your team and individuals that you need going forward. But what you really need are some leadership skills of agility and uh, thoughtfulness and empathy. and And where do you build those? And so it's just as important to invest uh, in our people to build those skills, to appreciate um, how important it is to adapt, to have a growth mindset, to be able to be, you know, be in, have one experience. You know, I've had a chance to be at Deloitte an awfully long time. And in the course of that, I've had lots of different jobs, none of them the same. Uh, and, and the world's changed dramatically since I started. So I look at it now and I think, you know, that's only going to be magnified for the generations coming in now. And so what are the most important skills that we need and investing in development that helps our people think, be more creative, uh, take more risks, have a little bit more entrepreneurial spirit, be a little bit more courageous in how they're uh, showing up uh, in the world. I think those are enormously important uh, and they're just as important as hiring the right person. It's really nurturing and developing the right person. And that comes from development and learning. It comes from exposing them to things that are outside and different from your organization and mentors and sponsors and uh, all the right, you know, connected role models in organizations, in and out organizations. So for you, qualities such as, as you mentioned, empathy and thoughtfulness are can 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 we say the the ingredients that help shape 
among the ingredients that help shape that client experience and thus your very keen interest in this topic? Yeah, we we have uh, actually gone as far as to say there are a set of moments that do matter in people's lives and in, in a life of a client uh, that you're serving. And if you can show up in that moment, um, we know what our best looks like. And our best is someone who can walk in your shoes, understand what you're experiencing, uh, have a point of view, um, say what others won't say. I mean, these are things that uh, show bravery. They show uh, interest. Um, you can suspend your own ego in that and and be be there for someone else in, in their journey to whatever they're working to solve. So um, yeah, those are all really important attributes to delivering a world-class client experience. You know, I love that. Uh, you just said suspend your own ego and show bravery. I mean, that those are extraordinary qualities. How do you, how do you, how do you teach people that? How do you develop that culture? Yeah. Well, honestly, the way we did it was um, we uh, went as far as developing um, a pretty robust training that our professionals go through. It's embedded into our milestone programs now um, as our professionals progress. But we we thought it important enough to uh, teach our leaders and then our account teams together. Uh, this is what our best looks like. And we have... Um, we have crafted what does empathy look like? How do you practice it? Uh, what, how do you do it in it? And we have behind that um, a business chemistry that um, uh, gives us a common language, if you will, to talk about it. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's you know, one, of the, one of the important tools that we have in our toolkit of, of service. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm almost speechless uh, because it's, it's, it's extraordinary to me the extent to which you think, again, I keep coming back to this, think about marketing in such a broad way to encompass all of these different components. And it sounds like this is very central to your thinking. It is. It really is. And, I, and I, I, I see that digital technology has given us a platform for that. So I'm, I'm excited about what I think it can do for others as they, you know, step down the journey. But it doesn't take away from the fundamentals of, of what marketing, you know, is. Uh, and uh, and I, I, so I, I think that's what's special about it is that people can grow in, and understand the broader context uh, maybe more easily than, say, learning a specific marketing uh, competency. We have literally about three minutes left. And so we haven't spoken at all about technology. And so can you say, say anything at all about the role of technology and AI and personalization and all of that, given that we only have a couple of minutes left? It's, it's very important to creating the best client experience. Uh, just don't get distracted by what the technology is. Think about the problem you're solving and make sure that the technology is your uh, bringing to bear are really addressing that. I think sometimes we can get a little enamored by what the, the bells and whistles are and not think about the client again. Uh, but if you really do, if you know what you're, what you're solving for, technology can be an enormously um, valuable enabler to uh, terrific marketing. So being clear about what you're solving for and then using technology to help lever whatever it is you're trying to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Okay, another very quick question for you on a very complicated subject. Uh, privacy, how do you think about balancing personalization and the value of that against the, the privacy risks and, and also the potential to be creepy, which we don't want to be? 
Yeah, it's a it's 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 at the heartbeat right now of of the marketplace, and I think it's a it's enormously important. We have an entire practice that thinks about privacy uh, every day, and so for us, it is we we cannot have a trusted relationship with you if we don't value and hold dear the data we have on you, the privacy of your uh, persona out in the in the world and protect you. So uh, it's it stands there with our uh, highest ideals that we, um, we will protect our customers' um, data and do everything we can to uh, keep it secure. It sounds like overall your, your general approach is a very, shall we say, human-centered approach, empathy, trust, reducing risk for the client. These types of attributes sound like, like this is where you give a lot of uh, thinking time. It is, and I, I think that those are those are words that uh, we would want people to describe our brand as human-centered, uh, as empathetic, as um, you know, clear about the problems we're solving, not getting distracted. Uh, we want to be uh, uh, the the market leader in uh, changing uh, the business models, uh, driving the future vision of the disruptions that are there, and how those are going to become. Uh, terrific new businesses in the future. So, what digital dis- what what the entire digital disruption uh, happening in the world has done is created an enormous opportunity for us because those are big problems, and that's what we go about solving are those. And so, for us, it's a it's a big opportunity, but we only want to do it if one we can solve it in a way that matters to you, that brings value to you. And let's finish up by my asking you advice. What advice do you have for organizations for other organizations that are listening to this and want to embody these things and but it's a struggle they're not sure so what advice do you have to for other CMOs to help move their organizations in this way uh, so I think I think the first thing is just get smart about your customer data um, I think then use this opportunity to make marketing make sense to people uh, I think when you talk in languages like um, you know, campaigns and uh, you're not, those don't make sense to people. They don't understand what that is. So you have to turn it into the, the, make it make sense for them. Talk about it in ways that tie back to the business, the things that you do. And uh, those two things uh, alone, I think are really uh, important steps is help the leaders understand what marketing is, make it make sense. And then um, think about how you can continue to translate those customer insights uh, I, I, we have, you know, interestingly, I think a lot of folks don't know their customers as well as they think they do. And uh, I am reminded all the time when I meet with terrific CMOs, how, uh, how much time and energy they put into really understanding their customer. So uh, get out of the office, go, go see customers, talk to them, uh, spend the time to learn the data. Okay, great advice. Well, You have been watching episode number 284 of CXO Talk, and we've been speaking with Diana O'Brien, who is the global CMO at Deloitte. Diana, thank you so much for spending all this time with us. Thank you. Everybody, be sure to tell a friend and be sure to subscribe on YouTube. And we have amazing shows coming up. And thank you so much for watching. I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye.